Churcher is real. It's a force multiplier, but, but the church didn't hurt you. A person hurt you. So I cannot label the whole entity as being bad because of the actions of one or two individuals. It's about time because we're going there. Welcome to another episode of We're Going There. I am your host, Bianca Waters Oltoff, and this is the new family. This is the new beginnings that we are kicking off the new year with. This is season nine, and I'm so excited because every season I get to bring on a special host, but I am, I, I just have to tell, for those that do watch on YouTube, this is not the regular, okay? This is not the regular. <laughs> not only do we have an amazing co-host for today's episode, but we're in a new studio, so I'm a little ruined. I'm a little ruined, but it's because the bar has been set with you. Pastor LB, all the way from Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in person. Welcome to the show. It's a joy. You got me drinking a chai latte today. Listen, listen. If I could be honest, she's kind of made fun of my great propel water. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of shame that made me go to the chai. But I have to say, I'm pretty happy that I did. So can I tell so on you? Have, are we are we please. friends? I can tell we are. you. Yes. So I'm concerned for your <laughs> beverages of choice. Your top requested beverages are Diet Dr. Pepper yes. and grape-flavored Propel water. That is so good. Oh, I, I mean, friends, saints who love Jesus, can we please intercede for no. Pastor Elby? <laughs> well, I, I, uh, same thing with my diet. I eat a lot of meat. Do you know how many vegetables I eat in a month? Maybe, I'm concerned. Maybe one <gasps> a month. See, there's a difference between knowing and believing. I know a lot about vegetables. I used to teach college nutrition classes. All right. Macronutrients, yes. all of that stuff. I know it. I just don't believe it. I eat about one a month. Oh. I know. I'm my sorry. My word. I repent. So but I kind of like it. When you first came out to do a mm -hmm. staff training for the Father's House Orange County here in California, I ordered appetizers and I ordered uh, <laughs> cauliflower was one of the appetizers and you didn't touch any. And I felt this because maybe you were talking to the team that you didn't get a no. chance to eat. And then you said, oh, no, I don't I don't eat that. Yeah. <laughs> There's not, like avocados and seaweed and all that stuff. Like, no. Oh, OK. So this no. is actually an unplanned and yet perfect starting point. Perfect. You said, I know. I know. But I don't do. I, I don't, don't believe. believe. I don't believe. So th in this season, we're tackling different angles. Um, if, if the topic is starting over and new beginnings, mm. and this is this diamond, we get to, with every episode, flip and take a different angle, a different look yes. at it from a different perspective. I brought you on because you are a seasoned pastor. And what I have heard and what I have seen across mm. the landscape of not just America, but the globe is this, I know I should go to church. I know. I know I should believe in God. Mm -hmm. I know I shouldn't do A, B, and C. Yeah. But I just don't believe it's going to have an implication. Or I'm just I'm just not, not going to do it. Well, I know that God is good. I just don't believe it. Because one is an, mm -hmm. is, is an ethereal ascent and the other is actually an actionable item of my life. See, belief is a lifestyle. I show you my belief. I tell you what, what I would like to, what I know. So we'll, we'll, we'll say, I know that God is good. And I'll get the gold sticker and the star and I'll get the right answer right on the written test. But in the laboratory portion of life, I don't believe it because belief is expressed, expressed through lifestyle. It's how I conduct myself. Mm. And what a, what a tough place to be because I know that God's good. I've heard all the stories. I just don't believe it. I, I believe that God is good. He's just, just for everybody else but me. I believe that God can restore and redeem. I just, I don't believe it for me. I know it. I just don't believe it. So 
for the person that is maybe starting the new year mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, I want to give God a chance or maybe they're coming out of some church hurt. Yeah. Actually, this is where I want to start. So I want to, oh. I want to cheers as we get started. I want to cheers because this beverage of choice is not your great flavored propel water, but for those that are watching online and on YouTube, new beginnings, this man has a high chai. What is it? A chai hot, latte. Hot chai latte. Hot chai latte. He's in California for 2.5 seconds and look at him being fancy at already. I'm embracing so, the new. Yes, we are. I cheersing. believe this is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than, yes, synthetic colors and, and, and sugars. But Whoa, the I, shade. I know. It's said in love, though. It's said in love. <sighs> if you want to have something, welcome to the podcast where I say things that might feel a little hurtful, uh-huh. but it's said in love because it's helpful. Thank That's what you. we want. So <laughs> where I kind of want to uh, dive into is like, this is what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, s- the church hurt them. Yeah. And so uh, they haven't come back post-COVID or maybe they haven't gone to the church that they experienced mm-hmm. this hurt. So I don't want to rush this. I actually want to take our time. You have been on staff at Elevation Church mm-hmm. for 18 years, mm-hmm. and you have given so much of your heart, your mind, your life, your time, your energy, your resources to the church. So you've seen a lot of yeah. people, and you've probably experienced some mm-hmm. hurt. So before we kind of deduce and analyze and say what we see people who are going through church hurt, mm-hmm. can you walk us through Maybe your experience within church, what church has yeah. done for you and, and whether or not you've experienced some hurt. Well, let me give you a simple, simple story. Uh, before we started Elevation Church 18 years, my wife and I were the original families that started. We had eight families that moved to Charlotte to begin it. We wrote letters to the 20 biggest churches in Charlotte. And we simply said, thank you. We would love to bring you coffee and just get to meet you. We only heard back from two of those churches. And I remember when we were starting, it felt like we weren't good enough to notice, felt like we were overlooked. Now with the size we're at 18 years later, it makes me sit on the other side of it wondering who even gets the letter when it comes into our office. Mm. And so sitting in both seats of it, it makes me appreciate it. But here's what I do understand, to whom much is given, much more is required. When the seat I sit in as as a pastor, I, I need to understand that it is a force multiplier. The words are multiplied by a factor. And so I might not feel like I'm putting much weight on it, but to the person on the receiving end, it's multiplied by a thousand. And I'm not, I'm not just responsible for what I say. I'm responsible for what they hear. And so we want to be a worldwide ministry that changes the world and all those things. But will we be uh, big enough to see the person that sends the letter from the new church planner so they don't feel overlooked. Mm. And I think sometimes the, the church hurt we would talk about would be some of those things. But church hurt is real. It's a force multiplier. But but the church didn't hurt you. A person hurt you. Oof. So I cannot label the whole entity as being bad because of the actions of one or two individuals. So if we really are sitting down talking with somebody dealing with church hurt, I'm like, hey, please tell me more. But who hurt you? Let's put a name and a face. An unnamed enemy will never be defeated. And when I label the whole group as being bad, wow, I'm using such broad brushstrokes. I'll never enter into any kind of healing because it's left at that big general level. So if the church as a whole is not the entity that hurts you, somebody is walking away from a church and they're saying that church name, that church hurt me. Yeah. How, as a pastor, would you walk someone through, resonate with the hurt and the pain that they're, experience, they're experiencing, while still, one of the things I want to lightly touch back on is 
What I heard you saying when you were starting, mm-hmm. um, you guys were all as a team starting Elevation and these churches didn't recognize you. Now in your position, oh, yes. you realize like, oh, maybe it wasn't that we weren't important or overlooked. Maybe there was just... There were- had a bunch of letters come in that yes. day and they yeah. couldn't get to them all. So two things for people that are experiencing church hurt. Perspective is really key. Yes. What I heard you say in distilled form is perspective Yeah. and uh, maybe a lack of awareness of what is going on uh, at, a, at a larger level. And then the second thing is how do you resonate with the pain and heal someone walking mm-hmm. through that journey? Well, it's important for us when somebody comes with pain to acknowledge that it's real. Whether or not it's magnified or not, it doesn't matter in the moment, but for someone to say, I'm so sorry. That must have really hurt you. I, I have, uh, my wife would say, I'm a zero on the empathy scale. Zero to 100, I'm a zero. <laughs> so I have had to really work empathy. So what I have to do in those moments is to stop and pause and say, I'm so sorry. That must have been really hard. How did it make you feel? When I do that with my wife, it says in the moment I'm choosing to empathize with you, choose to enter into the moment with you. I'm naturally not feeling empathy, but I'm going to try. So in those moments when people come up recognizing that, simply doing that gives them permission to be like, wow, somebody actually stopped long enough to hear me. Then I can sit in the moment enough to say, tell me a little bit more about it. Now can we get the conversation going back to, hey, I think so much frustration in church happens with unmet expectations. I was expecting this and it didn't happen and that really hurt me. Most of those expectations are implicit. They're not even talked about. I was just expecting or assuming you should kind of know that or that's what the church always did for me before and they didn't do it now. So there's unmet expectations that when you start actually clarifying, bringing clarity to it, like, oh, you were expecting them to do this. They didn't even know that expectation. What do you want to do with that now? Hmm. So what do you say to somebody who maybe finds themselves walking through the doors at elevation mm-hmm. who is coming from church hurt um and and not knowing how to let it go mm-hmm. the reason why it's you're such a gift on the show today is because you though though your <laughs> wife might say that you're a zero on the empathy scale i will say that i have seen such an evolution in just knowing you gosh we've known each other six years mm-hmm. About six that. years. Yeah. Right for, yeah. Goodness gracious. Um, but, uh, six years and I have seen such a tenderness mm. about you, such a softness. You still lead. I mean, you're an Enneagram eight. You like charge the hill. Like, you know, there, yeah. there's, 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 there's really no fluff or BS with you. Like literally you just go full on. But there's this moment yesterday in service. It was in first service. Uh, by the way, this man preached three services and then did a, a, a key leaders luncheon afterwards and then went to dinner with us. I mean, his, his pour out is insane. But what he does is that you stop and see the one. Mm. And in first service, second row, you were talking about an orphan spirit. Yep. And uh, for those that want to watch the link, we'll attach it here on YouTube. But you saw her and you spoke to her. Yeah. And it reminded me of in Mark chapter 12, I believe it's when Jesus is it, it's Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that are, you know, uh, pressing into Jesus yeah. and calling out his name. And yet he stops and he sees her. And that's what you did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so for those that maybe have been overlooked, yes. maybe it was the perspective or maybe someone didn't give them what they needed. They're walking in. Can you speak to that person? Yeah. Not how do you see them? Because I think that's a gift. But for someone who just needs a pastor to see them right now, what do you tell them? Well, let me give you the backstory of empathy. Okay. So we started the ministry. We're going a million miles an hour. And my whole role is to get stuff done. <laughs> I am a juggernaut. Either you are working with me or you're getting pushed out of the <laughs> way. 
And it became a lot of my identity. Get LB, he'll solve the problem. He'll run it over, he'll do it. But then it became to the point where it was a liability in the organization. Pastor Stephen sat me down. This is year two of the church. And he said, actually, I'm going to demote you. Whoa. And you're going to be removed from the table because I can't come behind you with a mop and a bucket to clean up after you all the time. So he gave me the gift of demoting me. And I had to sit in a season because in reality, I liked people. I just didn't love them. Ooh. I liked them because they were convenient to help me do something. And I didn't love them. And it was such a hard truth. And in that moment, I was tempted to be like, oh, my gosh, can't believe this and all those other things. That was the greatest gift he ever gave me because my heart had to be broken for people. So anybody that's inclined to the task to execute, to get stuff done, it's easy to see people as interchangeable widgets that can be moved in and out. Mm. But God needed to break my heart and say, no, that's a person. That's a mom. That's a dad. That's a brother, that's a sister, that's a friend. And someone just needs to see them in that moment. Without him giving me the gift of demotion, I would not have been able to see that person yesterday morning. And so to empathize, I had sympathy. I felt bad for you, but not long enough to actually do anything about it. But empathy, while my heart is actually broken for you, it's in this moment with you. And so that's been an evolution for me of really seeing people. And I think one of my roles in ministry as we go is to make sure we still see people. I hope we never become too big that we don't see people. Hmm. That's one of my big fears is, is this. God spoke this to me several months ago. He says, when you stop seeing people, I'll stop sending people. Hmm. And it was this thing. So when people show up with church hurt, show up with all kinds of stuff, they're not easy to love. But neither am I. <laughs> I've had so many seasons in my life that I'm hard to love. But empathy keeps you seated at the chair, at the, ta- at the chairs with them and leans into it and says, it's okay. But I also have that, that grit and that tenacity that says, I love you too much to let you talk like that. Mm. You're better than that. So grace and truth. We often confuse the two. Grace. Grace is not avoiding the issue. Grace is how we address it. Mm. God has given me more revelation and seasoned me to be filled with grace to say, here's how we're going to address it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is where I want to kind of turn the, the conversation just a little bit. And this is where I want the run him over LB, uh, because <laughs> he's there. He, oh, he comes I, back real quick. Okay, so, so we're going to side note this conversation. I'm gonna come back to this question by, by, by telling all of our listeners and viewers about the time that, uh, elevation was still portable at the time mm-hmm. and all of your stuff was in storage and it's Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you're there with the trucks, but the person who's supposed to remove the padlock to move, open up the gates to get your items is gone. Please, in a nutshell, can you yeah. recount that story? Do you need to catch your breath? Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted, according to some recent research. So what's the solution? Introducing an air purifier that captures the attention of established media outlets like CNN, Money, ABC, and more. What is it? The Air Doctor. The Air Doctor filters out 99% of dangerous contaminants that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollens, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that make you sick. 
Air Doctor comes back with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code WGT and you'll receive up to $300 off of air purifiers. Exclusive for podcast customers, you will receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special by going to A. I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-R.com. Airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code WGT. So we show up Sunday morning, 4.30 in the morning. I'm the guy that's pulling the trailer. Over the weekend, the company that we, uh, we stored our stuff at, they changed ownership groups. And they said, we don't open our gates. The big sign said, we don't open till 6 a.m. So I call the company. I'm like, hey, we need to get our stuff. They're like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we can do. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ram the gate. It became, it becomes a mantra in our church of like, I just called chunks. Our CFO said, here's the deal. I'm going to ram the gate with my truck because I'm going to get the stuff. But I said, let me try one more thing. So I completely disassembled the whole gate and it just threw it to the side and we got our stuff. Okay, we had Samson. Oh, Which, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For those that are in the room <laughs> recording this, I just, this needs to be like our mantra. Well, it is, it is a mantra in our church. It's ram the gate. W- it's will become you a value. Yes, it okay. is. It is. We have a uh, glossary of elevation staff terms. Ram the gate is in there. I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. We actually, we are in January, we're launching a TFHOC culture code and there's, there's actually a glossary mm-hmm. with like, nomikers and, yes. and, 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 and phrases that we say, but I, we have to find our own ram the gate version. One of the facilities early on, the second building we ever got into was a high school. Um, when we started the church, the first campus we launched out of it, we, we wanted to be at this school, but the principal hated churches, didn't want anybody meeting there. So about a year goes by, we hear that there's a new principal at the school. Pastor Steven says in a meeting, go get us in there. I left this the meeting going like, I'm getting this in there. But I show up to the school and there's hardly any cars there because it was a teacher work day. So I grab the front doors and I shake them. Darn it, there's nobody nobody there. So I go around to the side doors and I start pushing on doors and then start pushing on windows. I walk around the back of the school. I see this long vertical window that's cracked a little bit. So I climb on a dumpster <gasps> and I push the window open and I slide into the school and I make my way to the front office. And the woman at the front office is like, you're Larry Bry. And I'm like, you've been watching me on, on closed circuit TV? She goes, no, no, no. My husband and I, we've been coming to Elevation for about four months. Stop it. I'm schwitzing. I'm sweating. She's, she said, we, she said, we only came to Elevation because our daughters go to that high school and we were going to get a divorce four months ago. And we told our daughters and they said, no, we need to start going to church. And there's a new church at the school or at the school we're at. Let's go to that church on Sunday morning, mom and dad. They've been coming for four months. God had healed their marriage. The daughters had given their lives to Jesus. And through tears, she looks at me and she says, how can I help you? I left that day with a contract. I think too many of us take a closed door, a locked door as a sign. We are not led by signs. That's witchcraft. We are led by the spirit. Ooh. I am called to get in that building. Ooh. I will break down a freaking door. Come I will on. climb through a window. If I get arrested, it is for the righteousness of the Lord. <laughs> but I just, I want to see that more in the kingdom rather than this passivity of like, you know, I guess it's not, it's God's will. We'd get into that building. No, it is God's will. Break down a door. Break through a window. Do what you got to do. Ooh. That's the spirit of our ministry that we started with. I love this. Okay, so the hustle is is real. And it's a hustle. It's a godly hustle. It's a godly ambition, which I'm here for. So it's the ram the gate, Pastor LB, that I'm speaking mm-hmm. to now. Uh, we're not looking at anyone across the table. We're speaking to them generally. And I believe that they have ears to hear and a heart that saw. Yeah. For those that have been talking about someone in church or a church that's hurt them, 
instead of, or and alongside with the, I see you, mm-hmm. Pastor LB, now I want the ram the gate. What are you seeing with the next generation and current generation yeah. of people that are dealing with the church hurt? What are you saying that you wish that you can tell them to have them, oh, I'm cautious about saying get over. I'm <laughs> cautious about saying get over, but kind of like, maybe it's time to get over it. Yeah. What do you tell them? Well, let's have a moment of silence. Let's bury that thing. Because if you don't bear it, you'll always come back to it. It will always be Ooh. something you trip over. Hmm. I had my older brother, he passed away of cancer 21 years ago. I lost a brother that day, but I know he's in heaven. Because right before he went to, to heaven, I got a chance to lead him in a prayer to give his life to Jesus. For my mom, that was the day she lost a son. So every day she wakes up knowing and feeling like she lost a son. And every conversation she gets into, guess what? permeates the conversation, the death of her son, because she's never buried her son. And so many people with church hurt or whatever hurt they carry, it becomes the thing they don't bury. And it's the thing that is infecting every part of their life moving forward. They can't get over it. My mom has not gotten over losing Mm. a son. And it's horrible. A parent should never have to bury a child, no matter whether it's an adult child or a teenage child. But for my mom, that became her identity. I wonder how many listening, dealing with church, it's become their identity. And it actually becomes a sign we hold up that actually becomes this missional thing of like, yeah, I got church hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're not about the kingdom when you're about holding on to your hurt. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the person standing in front of me, I'm like, baby, we need to bury that thing. Mm-hmm. You will not step into the future when you're being tethered to the past. Yeah. Bury that thing. So uh, now it's... Two pastors having a conversation. And one of the things that I would just encourage people, because the truth of the matter is, is here at the Father's house, there is going to be someone that gets hurt. Yes. Unfortunately, it just intentionally, yes. unintentionally, perspectives, um, lack of awareness on both parties. So there's going to be someone that gets hurt. Yes. That grieves me deeply. I, I have been so... Uh, afraid of hurting people that I don't think that I've necessarily been honest. And so mm. I... For ever, anyone who's hearing this that is part of a local church, I would love to tell them that if somebody, someone, something, or the church hurts you in some capacity, I really am going to encourage somebody to bury it and deal with it because how you end something is how you begin something else. Oh, so well said. And if we don't leave a church well, we're going to take that toxicity to the next environment. 100%. There's something very healing and cathartic about what's happening here at, the, at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but we attract a lot of people that are coming from other churches, a lot of church hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very tender. I'm very sensitive. But then I'm still hearing them talk about their old church. And I'm like, child, you have been here for a year. You're, you're not even there anymore. You are recreating what you hated there here. Yes. Because you bring it with you and yes. you fixate on it. Yes. I, a few years ago, I wanted to buy a new car, a black Maxima. But it's amazing how many black Maximas I saw driving around <laughs> as I started to fixate and focus uh-huh. on this. But what you ho- behold is what you become. Mm. And if I behold so much hurt, I become a bitter, angry person. And it permeates everybody around me. But if I can't deal with a little offense, I'll never deal with a big offense. One of the disciplines I try to teach our staff is to create a gratitude journal, but also an offense journal. Ooh. Because gratitude and offense are opposite sides of the same coin. So I need to create a gratitude journal of like, what am I truly grateful for? Specific. The power of specificity. I'm just happy for life. No, get down into it. Because when stuff happens, it was a bad day. Was all of it bad? Let's do an autopsy. 
Was the entire 24 hours of existence horrible? No. There were moments that were worse than others, but there were also moments that were really good. So I have to have a gratitude journal, but I also have to have an offense journal. And the offense journal is an honest space to lay it before God and say, boy, that really offended me. And it gives you the ability to say about 80% of that stuff is stuff I need to grow up and get over. Mm. I had a bad burrito. I had a bad night's sleep. That really shouldn't have bothered you. There might be about 20% of stuff I actually need to do some deep redemptive work with. Why did that get underneath my crawl? And then maybe just maybe a small fraction of that is having a conversation with the person and saying, you know what? I know you didn't intend any harm with it, but that really hurt. So it teaches you how to discipline your mind and submit it to the Holy Spirit to say, what do I want to do with the fence? And I would say the people who carry a lot of church hurt have a pattern of not dealing with offense. That's the bigger issue. It's not like that one thing I need to talk about with that church. It's a pattern of living and believing and thinking that takes them to places that they assume everybody has ill intent for them. That's what offense, not dealing with offense, always creates in our lives. So, okay, I want to, I feel like we need to stay here because this is so good. Um, but for somebody that's on a treadmill or cooking in their kitchen or getting ready for work and putting on, or having a chai latte or having a chai Uh, latte here in Orange County. Yes. I, I, if anyone who's listened to the podcast knows I'm big on gratitude, I have a daily gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. I call it grateful because there's eight things that I list. Me and my best friend do it every single awesome. day. I've enlisted people, but I do not have an offense journal. Oh, it is so important. But I feel like I'd be bitter though. Be no, angry. no, no. Because once you submit it to Christ, what happens with those things? Any seed that is planted in silence will grow a fruit of bitterness. Oof. If I do not bring that forward and put it on paper and submit it to the Holy Spirit, what will happen with that thing? I bury it. I pretend. I get over it. No, you build up walls. Mm. One little brick at a time of offense. So how do I deal with the little foxes? How do I deal with the little offenses? And as I start to look back and see the patterns like, oh, about four or five small offenses into it, I start getting bitter towards people. I start keeping them at a distance. Because the devil gets this on a predictable cycle. Heck, I don't want to give the devil that much credit. I get a couple thoughts in my head strung together. It leads me to a very predictable outcome. Mm. That's what not dealing with offense does. So I'll walk into church with a new outfit and a new smile, but I got an old mindset. But it's not the church that hurt me. It was the situation that exposed something within me. Now, the person who did it, they might have been wrong in it. But it was something in me that got exposed in that. That's the part that God wants to redeem. So for somebody who's listening right now, uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I like to incorporate those that are listening in lifetime, but I'm just not, I'm not going to make this about anyone else except for me. I'm going to be the prototype Amen. in this situation and say, when I am dealing with offense, what's the first thing I should do? Yes. Yes. Okay. Pastor LB. Yes. I should take it to God. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, I, uh, but, no. but then what do I do after that? Well, I write it down. Okay. And now what's the honest emotion that comes with that? Bleep them. <laughs> Okay. You just censored yourself on this podcast. <laughs> you guys, he's saving us a lot of money on this podcast. It's great. He censored himself. See, and we're thank so you. Thank you. But I think there's this honesty that has got to come forth. We think redeemed doesn't give permission for honesty. Oof. That hurt. That was wrong. And it gives you the ability to say, actually, okay, so I actually sit in it. They, I have to sit in it long enough that I assume their good intentions But if I don't even acknowledge it, I start with assuming they're bad intentions. Mm. So I got to be honest about what was it. Now, Lord, what do you want me to do with it? I've developed a personal legalism that says if I'm still brewing over it, 
36 hours later, I've got to talk to one of my mentors about it. Oh. So if I can't bury it in 36 hours, I've got to confess it. And it forces me to invite godly counsel into it so that I don't allow a seed of bitterness to grow. I don't always do it well. Sometimes I do it better than others. But it's a legalism that when I do that, I'm much healthier. Mm. I am so much healthier because I don't want to talk to them. So I guess I got to do something with it. But if I never take the thought captive, I never put it down, I never be honest about it, I will never actually process through it. So we got to have an offense journal. But the beauty of an offense journal, like a gratitude journal, is when you look back, you see the patterns. Mm. When I get around that person, well, it's actually not Sally because there's a million Sallys out there. <laughs> it wasn't Sally that hurt me at the church. It was what Sally represents at that church. Oh, and if I'm honest, it brings up thoughts of a high school teacher who said I was really dumb. I flunked mm. physics in in high school because I never even tried. And my physics teacher said, you're too stupid. You're dumb. And there's a part of me today as a grown man that like when I preach, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll show you <laughs> physics teacher. <laughs> but I'm like, it wasn't it wasn't Phil was his first name. Because it's any time I get around somebody who represents a Phil that makes me feel inferior. Mm. It's easy for me to be offended by that person. But if I don't look back and see the pattern, I'll always be offended at Phil. Mm. So as we make this full circle conversation, this is what I want us to do. So we it's easy to talk about who has offended us. Oh, but wow. I would love to talk about who we've Ooh. offended. Ooh. From oh, you're getting close now. <laughs> From uh. your pastoral insight and perspective, uh, we love to point out how Jane and Bob yeah. and Joe and Kim have offended us. But I think it, even in this practice, which I have my graduate practice, but I'm definitely going to start making an offense list, which feels scary to me. It oh, so scary. It is scary because I feel like I'm tattling or like I'm no. just being bitter Betty, you know? No, I'm, I'm, I, nobody has access to that. That That's not okay. like a, a public journal. Okay. There's nothing that's going to go on Instagram, but that's going to go in a space that's private for me. Okay. And it's those hard things. And if I'm not honest about the things that I've walked through, they like, those things cut us, they hurt. Yeah. And either that will be healed or it will become a really thick scar that builds up so much you're not sensitive anymore to it. So I'm talking to Ram, Ram the Gate, mm. Pastor LB. You've rammed some people intentionally, unintentionally, uh -huh. and there's carnage in your past. What have you uh. learned and what, what have you learned? And then what are the things that you practice and put into place now so that when you do offend yeah. somebody, because it's going to happen, when Absolutely. you do offend them, what do you do immediately? Yes. Because when I offend somebody, when I offend staff or a person from church or a friend or a family member, I want to be so quick to apologize. Mm -hmm. I've gotten quick to apologize, but I would like a system or something better yes. that um, can make me hear their heart. Yeah. Um, the night before I, m I married my wife, I sent, I wrote her a letter. I did two things. One is when we were going on the honeymoon, she says, I really want to go someplace warm and with water because she loves swimming. And I don't know how to swim. <gasps> Wait, you know I'm a lifeguard, right? Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I can I I literally give me two lessons, you'll be swimming. But carry on. For my uh wedding gift for my wife, I learned how to swim. So I, I at that point I was teaching at a college and my best friend was the swim coach of the college. And I was like, Mike, I need your help. I need to learn how to swim. So over a period of like three months, he taught me how to swim. So in the letter I wrote to my wife, I said, My 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 wedding gift to you is I learned how to swim. It was one of my biggest fears. 
And so I had this fear of it. And then the second part of the letter was like, I promise to never intentionally hurt you. I said, I know I'm going to, but I, my prayer is it would never be malicious nor intentional to you. And I've tried to walk with that same spirit as I engage and build relationships with other people's never to intentionally hurt them. But what I realized in ministry is that force multiplier I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my words carry so much weight. And I don't, I, when I forget what it's like to be on the other side of words that I'm hearing that carry a lot of weight, I'm really insensitive. And so a lot of the hurt that I'll put on people isn't like a cut you kind of thing in this season in life. I've had many of those seasons, but I have to recognize like, ooh, but the other part in leadership for those, especially maybe are leading or in roles that they have a lot of people reporting to them, there are certain things you just don't talk to or say to certain people about. You can't treat everybody the same. Mm. And so I realized that there's the closer you get to me, the more that I can be a little unfiltered. Um, but the people more in the periphery. So a good example, simple example. Version of LB ramming the gate early on in the church. If I'd see like a greeter not doing what they're supposed to do, I'm going to go fix it in the moment. Then I had to realize like, I don't, I can't do that. Actually, I need to talk to their leader. Gotcha. As we grew out, I can't even talk to their leader. I need to talk to their staff member. And it's like, I actually need to talk to their campus pastor. And so it's recognizing how to influence the organization that does not expose my weaknesses as liabilities. Wow. I cannot let. So here's my weakness. Uh. This is this is helpful. I know that there's a certain point I get to that's a point of diminishing return or point of no return. If I keep going with this conversation, I will make them feel it. Here's oh, very practically. So if we're in a conversation and you're not seeing what I see, there becomes a point that now the mission is to make you see it. <laughs> that is a part of LB that some of the intention might be good, but now you're a puppy that I'm going to rub your nose in the spot on the carpet. Yeah. Okay. That is, that's where I hurt people. Okay. Because if you're not ready to see something, I can't force you to see it. Mm. Practically, that's one of the biggest areas for me to grow in. So... Uh, for everyone listening out there, I just want to synthesize what I heard you say. Uh, the church hasn't hurt us. Somebody or something within the church has hurt us. Put it in the offense journal. Put it in the offense journal. And also have a gratitude journal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that I call the, it, we got to go. Because it's gratitude and offense. G-O. Gratitude. Opposite sides of the same coin. We, we got to go. Got to go. Oh, offense. Oh, offense. great. G-O. Yes. Okay. We got to go. Okay. <laughs> I, I have to have gratitude and I have to learn how to deal with offense. Oh, this is so good. This mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, parting words for those that are listening and maybe don't have direct access to their pastor or mm-hmm. they feel like um, they're not too sure if they can trust church. What word of encouragement would you give our listeners and um, blessing as yeah. an amazing pastor that you are who loves people well? What imparting words would you share? Well, and here's one of the beauties of the offense journal is when I put something down on paper and actually identify it, I force myself to start with, okay, what am I responsible for? It is really, really healthy to say, what part do I need to own in this? Mm. If it's 5%, I've got to own it. If it's 95%, I've got to own it. When I'm in an unhealthy place, I want you to apologize for your part before I even mention my part. (laughs) And I feel like it's my personal goal in life to make you see yours before I show you mine. Oh, goodness. The healthiest version of me starts with, hey, I'm 5% responsible and here's my five. And now I like, and I don't feel like I've got to compel you. Now you share your 95. 
Okay. Because that comes from such an unhealthy place that wants to be vindicated, that wants to be proved right. And that that thirst in me will never be satisfied. That'll never be quenched. Mm. So the offense journal helps me practically start with, I've got to own my part. What do I do with that? I need to own my part in, in, in confessing it. Mm. So for those that have been part of this podcast community for a minute, you know that I like to bring in different perspectives. But today, it is not just a guess. It is a friend. And Pastor LB has been a key part of the Father's House community, but also in my life. Pastor LB, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you so much. Your wisdom is unparalleled. Your kindness mm. is astronomical. But your faith is really the thing that challenges us. And I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for letting me be here today. Friends, if this podcast has been a gift to you, it would be a gift to me if you let a positive review or a subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming content. We're so excited about the guests that we have on this season and we want you to be in the know. Otherwise, we'll catch you next week and let's go there.